Well, hey, hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 145 and session number 40 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions that you submit via voicemail from the blog. And if you have a question that you want answered in an upcoming episode, just head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask, and I will answer your question on an upcoming podcast. Now, it may sound like I'm a little excited today. Why? Well, the day that this is airing is January 1st, 2016. And if you're listening to this on the day that it airs, it's New Year. It's a happy, happy New Year. So, hey, happy New Year to you. 2016, that is. Hopefully, you had a great night. Hopefully, you were safe and responsible, which I think that all of you will be. But just Definitely, definitely wanted to say happy, happy new year. I'm really excited for uh, 2016 and I hope that you are as well. So what we're going to do today, again, like always, is we're going to answer three to four questions and I'm also going to address something really quickly inside of the Facebook group of our TASers, that is, which is growing like really, really crazy and it's just an awesome, awesome community that we've created together. And I wanted to share something that uh, one of our TASers TASers had posted. I think it's really important because, you know, a lot of us, you know, we think about starting a business or we think about maybe adding new products or we think about, well, should we keep doing this? It's not quite working yet. Or, you know, how do I get started and, you know, get some momentum? Well, here's something that someone posted. And I think that a lot of people that get started, especially they want everything to be perfect. They want everything to be thought out. They want everything laid out. And I get it, right? We want to make sure that we're not going to get hurt, right? I mean, that's what we're usually doing. We're trying to protect ourselves. That's kind of like our survival instincts, right? We're just, that's us as being a human being. We, we want to be protected and we don't want to get hurt. Hurt meaning financially or by a loved one or whatever, right? Well, this particular little quote here that someone posted, I wanted to let you hear it. And if you haven't already seen it over there, um, then it's going to be a nice reminder for you. But this is what the actual saying is. It's really simple. Done is better than perfect. Again, let me say that again. Done is better than perfect. Now, Brady Cook, Brady, thanks for posting this too, by the way, bud. Here's what he says. I have no way of knowing for sure, but I've heard this sign is all over Facebook's headquarters. Pretty appropriate for all of us. And then William says down below, I believe Mark Zuckerberg was the one that coined this phrase, and I agree. And then Douglas down below says, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. So we're not saying don't, you know, or just, you know, put out crappy stuff. We're saying like sometimes we think everything has to be perfect and then we wait until it's perfect and it never gets released, right? It never gets done because we just want to wait until it's fully, fully polished, and you can't do that. You have to get something out there so you can start to see if it's going to work or see what you need to learn or wait until you get to a certain spot before you actually need to learn it. Then there was something that I had learned a while ago, and I'd heard this from Pat Flynn, is uh, something like this. You know, it's called just-in-time learning because what happens is, is we start to think we have to learn everything, right? We have to learn all of this different stuff, so then we consume ourselves with learning all this stuff, and then we feel overwhelmed, and then we don't do anything, all right? So that's just-in-time learning, and the same thing comes with when you're launching a product. Yeah, you might want to do this customization on this product, this, this big, huge 
customization thing, right? And you know that if you do, it could be great, but you're just not sure. But it's going to take a lot of effort to do that. But you could roll out a version of it that's not 100% customized the way you want it, but enough to where you can get started. That's where you need to be, right? So done is better than perfect. Get it done, get it out there, learn from it, all right? I'm not saying be reckless. I'm saying just don't overthink the process. Well, here's another one. A lot of people think before I go ahead and launch that product, I need to make sure that I have the best images, right? I need to make sure that I have a website that's already done. I have to make sure that I have weeks worth of content on my website so people don't go there and see something that only has three posts, right? So all of these things come into, you know, our mind that we think we have to do. And because of that, we don't do anything or we don't get started because we feel like we have to have everything done. All right. So again, Done is better than perfect, and moving into 2016, I'm going to start even thinking about this even more, right? Because I've always wanted things to be perfect, rolling things out. I've, I've always been a perfectionist in a sense, and I've since, you know, really kind of lessened the way that I feel about that because I know that every time that I push something out and then refine it later or figured other things out as I get to those points, it allows me to keep that momentum, and momentum is huge. So moving into 2016, you're listening to this, if you are, on January 1st, 2016, or even after, into 2016 or 2017, it doesn't matter, you know, go out there and yes, get what you need to learn now or what you need to do now. Maybe it's, you know, you need to customize something now just to a certain point, get it to that point and then release it. All right. Get it out there so you can see if it works, if it doesn't work and learn through the process. All right. That's enough on that. I ranted there a little bit and I apologize. My first rant of 2016. All right. So done is better than perfect. And Brady, thanks for posting that. All right. So now that that's over with, and again, if you guys want to connect inside of the Facebook group and you have not connected there yet, head over to the amazing forward slash F is in Frank. B as in boy, and that's for Facebook. So theamazingseller.com forward slash FB. All right, go over there, get yourself involved. Great, great community. All right, so let's go ahead and let's uh, dive into the first question of the new year of 2016, and let's go ahead and answer it. What do you say? Hey, Scott, this is Amber. I had a couple keyword questions for you. Um, I'm not sure if you've discussed this, on your other podcasts about um, keywords and PPC when you've talked about those. But anyway, I started a new PPC campaign and I'm not getting any clicks or any impressions. And I'm wondering if it's because I don't have those keywords in the back end of my listing. So my question is, do you have to have keywords in your back end to get sales, whether organically or through PPC for those keywords? And my second question is, when you're setting up your product listing in um, under the keywords tab, you have the search terms, and that's basically where you put your keywords in. I just wanted to know if you knew what the platinum keywords were and what the style keywords were. And should we be filling those in for additional keywords? Or are those, I just don't know what those categories are for. So... If you could answer my questions, that'd be awesome and keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. 
Hey, Amber, thank you so much for the question. And for those of you that don't know, this question was actually submitted before I actually had Amber on the show. Uh, Amber was on the show and uh, she is actually episode 140. And it's where I share with you her journey and how she was a doubter of uh, of the Amazon space. And uh, the title of her podcast episode that we did was How Amber Discovered Her 20 $20,000 per month product, you'll be surprised. So if you haven't listened to that episode 140, that is the episode number 140, theamazingseller.com forward slash 140. Great interview and Amber is crushing it and uh, she's a perfect example kind of going into what we just kind of ranted about, right, about taking action is she did just that. She took action and uh, she's doing really well and she's also shared on that episode on how she, uh, you know, struggled a little bit here and there and uh, and how she got through it. So definitely listen to that episode, but it was just kind of funny when I listened to this this question. It was, uh, you know, a lot of times I get a lot of questions, so they don't always get answered, you know, uh, that, that quickly. So because of that, uh, I didn't realize that Amber had asked a question before I actually interviewed her. So anyway, it's a great question though, and I wanted to address it because I think a lot of you may have questions like this. Now, yes, if you're running Amazon pay-per-click and you're not getting any impressions, first off, the very first thing that I would ask myself is, am I bidding enough on that keyword? So let's just say, for example, you're you're bidding on garlic press and you put a uh, bid of $1.50 in there and you're seeing that you're getting no impressions. Well, what I would first do probably just to test it, that if it was, if it was the money thing, I would cap my budget on that campaign for 25 bucks and then I would raise my bid to like five bucks. And then if I got five bids, well, then I'm out 25 bucks on cap there. But then I would know that it's not, uh, it's not a, a keyword issue in my listing. Okay. So that's the first thing. The second thing is not only in your back end, but anywhere in your listing. If that keyword is nowhere in your listing, then yes, it will be a relevancy thing. So then you would want to say, okay, can I put it in my title? Or can I put it in my description? Can I put it in my bullets? Can I put it somewhere in the back end? Right? So can I do that? Now, yes, the and you know, we're not we're not a hundred percent sure on this. Karen Faxton had talked about this as well, and we're just not a hundred percent sure, but you know. Are the keywords weighted the most in the title, in the back end, and, you know, possibly even in the bullets? We think so, but we don't know 100%. I will tell you this, and this is kind of something I just discovered, okay, because I made this mistake, and because of that, it proved that if you have keywords in your description, not your bullets, your description, which some people have said that you it doesn't help you rank, uh, I proved that it did help me rank. So here's what happened. I had the, I had two different listings. Okay. I had one that was a bundle. I created that as a, as a listing. Okay. And then I created another listing that was not the bundle. It was just one single product, but they were basically the same keywords I was going to be using for these particular two listings. Okay. So just understand I had two listings identical almost, right? One of them was ranking for a keyword and one of them wasn't. Okay. So I'm like, okay, what's, what's different here, right? What is different? Well, the thing that was different right away that I noticed was in my one description, I had the keyword and then in the other one, I didn't have it. 
So then what I did is I went ahead and I went and I added the, I added it to the description and then I was like, okay, cool. Now let me look in the back end of my listing and in my back end of my listing, I made a mistake. I didn't even put my keywords in there yet. So I didn't even have those in the back end to help drive keyword ranking. So my point is this, I had no keywords in the back end of my listings because I made a mistake, but I did have the keyword in my description in the one, but not in the other. And because of that, and that was the only place that keyword was the one that it was in the description I was ranking for. And the one that was not listed or listed in the description, I was not ranking for. So for me, it proved that the description still does allow you to rank. And if it's going to allow you to rank, then you'll probably also be able to use that for pay-per-click. Okay. Because Amazon is going to take your listing and more or less scrape it to see what keywords are in there. But (laughs) then I went ahead and obviously I went in the back end and I filled all my keywords in like I was supposed to. All right. So to answer your question, Amber, I would definitely say that you want that keyword somewhere in your listing. Okay. Preferably in the title, in the back end and in the bullets, right? But the description to me is also proven that that's another place that you want your keyword to be. Now, not all of them. Again, now we've also talked about that. It doesn't matter if you do that three or four different times in those different places. It's not going to give you any more advantage for repeating that. So I would not do that. All right. But I would definitely have it at least in the back end uh, or in the title or the bullet or the description. Uh, that's where I would, that's where I would put that. Now, going to your next question, which was about the platinum keywords and your styles. Now, the platinum keywords, that uh, as far as that I know, it does not help you. And that's for different types of sellers. Okay. I, I think it's more of the major brand type sellers. And I've even heard that it was there and it used to work and now it doesn't. I, I don't really know the answer to that. All I know is that, that that does not really work. But if you have that, I would still fill them in. I would still use them. And the same thing goes with styles. Your styles is just another place for you to put information in there. So I don't know if it would directly help you, but it's not going to hurt you. So I would say if those spots are available. Now, some people for the platinum keywords, it's grayed out. You can't even use it. If yours is opened up and you can type in there, then type in there and fill it out. I always tell people, you know, you want to put as much information in there as possible, even if you don't know if it's going to help you right? So just fill out as much as you can, especially in the back end, and then that could that could potentially help you, all right? So hopefully this has answered your question, Amber, if you still had that question, and anyone else that's listening about keywords and having them in your listing, and as far as pay-per-click goes, if you're not ranking or you're not being seen or getting impressions, it's either you're not bidding enough for it or you don't have that keyword inside of your listing somewhere. And again, you might have to experiment with that. Maybe put it in your back end, maybe put it in your description, maybe put it in your title, see which one is going to help you until you start to get those impressions. All right, so let's go ahead and listen to the next question and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott, how's it going? This is Alan from New York, actually down in Long Island. I think you're uh, upstate a little more than me. But um, hey, we're New Yorkers the same, man. Cheers. I just, first of all, wanted to tell you how appreciative I am of how transparent you are with all the information you give and uh, all the instruction and the enthusiasm. It's, it's absolutely incredible. You, uh, you helped me out so much. I actually I started in around um, June. I had one product that didn't work out so well. and My next product, I have like seven variations and the past 30 days, doing about 16,000 sales. So I'm, I'm excited about that. The, uh, 
question that I have for you is PPC for variations. Now, I've spoken to seller support multiple times, and basically they're telling me that if I make campaigns for different variations, they're just pretty much fighting each other. They're kind of battling each other for the bid, and uh, I'm basically committing sabotage to myself, you know, making myself bid higher for, you know, for example, the red variation versus the blue variation because the keywords are similar and, um, you know, basically the campaign's the same. So I'm just curious how you tackle that situation. Like, how do you get the maximum amount of exposure and traffic for all of your variations? Um, it's just, it's really uh, throwing me for a loop because I want to increase the ranking for all of them, not just a couple of them. So uh, I really uh, appreciate your answer. I'd love to hear you. Uh, go ahead and, and give this on your podcast and maybe I'll take a drive upstate and we can meet up for a cup of coffee sometime. All right, buddy. Thank you so much for all you do. Keep up the good work and thank you. You're awesome. Cheers, bud. Hey, Alan, thank you so much for the question. And uh, yeah, I guess we aren't that far away, huh? So we are uh, kind of neighbors. So yeah, if you ever uh, if you ever come upstate, let me know. Uh, but just a little side note here, I'm only going to be here for another, uh, well, probably six months, I'm guessing, because uh, I'm going to be heading to South Carolina here pretty soon. So uh, yeah, I would love to have a cup of coffee if you're in the area. Uh, but yeah, so thanks for the kind words too, by the way. It means a lot coming from uh, anyone that uh, submits it by uh, voicemail or just uh, emails that I receive and feedback and reviews and all that stuff. I want to say thank you to everyone out there too that does send them. They they motivate me and inspire me and give me the energy to continue to create these podcasts. So uh, thank you for that. It it means a lot rather than me just talking to a mic and not seeing uh, you guys on the other end. So I really do appreciate that. Uh, But yeah, to kind of dive into your question, and again, I love the pay-per-click topic, guys. I mean, we have a lot that we can talk about in there. We don't want to overcomplicate things, though, too. So that's the first thing I would say, Alan, is let's not overcomplicate this. I would also ask you, if we were having that cup of coffee, I'd say, listen, let me ask you this. Out of those variations, which is your top variation? Which is the one that is selling the most? Which one will sell the most, right? By you looking at your competition and seeing what ones are selling, kind of getting some intelligence on that. So this way here, you can start to focus on the one that's going to drive the most. Because if you have variations, you're going to drive the traffic to that one variation, let's say. But then from there, they can see the other variations inside. I think that's a great strategy rather than trying to use all of the variations. Now, if you have have all the variations that you think will all sell equally, then yeah, maybe you want to go ahead and then run pay-per-click to all of those different variations. Of course, then you're going to show up more in the sponsored ads and all of that stuff. Now, my thoughts are on if you're going after the exact same keyword, I wouldn't do that. I would go after, like, like you said, if you're going after a garlic press with a red handle, well, then I would go after a garlic press red handle or red handle garlic press. I wouldn't go after just garlic press, right? I'd make it specific because you only want that to show up, like you're saying, when people are searching for that keyword. So I wouldn't be competing against myself if I was doing that. Now, if you wanted to also, maybe you wanted to run your main one for the main keyword of the more broad keyword of garlic press, let's say, but it was in a phrase match, let's say. And then from there, let's say that you wanted to also run, you know, one for black handled garlic press. Well, then just run black handled garlic press and then put a negative keyword in there uh, for garlic press if that's what you're going after because you don't want to then show up for garlic 
press and you wouldn't be competing with yourself. Another thing is if you wanted to, you could run the same keyword to all of those and, you know, the more generic one and then just keep the bid identical and then it's really, they're not really competing that much because if you're a few cents higher on this one or a few cents lower on this one, then it doesn't really matter. I don't think I would go down that road, but I would probably do more of narrowing it down and using each campaign to target that particular variation and what that variation is. So if it's a red handled one, then I would go after red handled. If it was black handle, I'd go after that and so on. Uh, and again, I would probably also experiment with just going after driving all of the traffic to the one variation and then from there letting them make that decision once they get inside. But again, every you know every product is, is different in this sense. So you might want to show all of these variations um, on the pay-per-click because you want to start ranking for them. So, But I would definitely look at the data. I'd start looking and seeing where are most of my sales are coming from. And then from there, I would more, more or less focus on that one. And then you're naturally going to start selling more of the variations, the more you can get people into your listing. So hopefully that's helped you. Appreciate the question. I appreciate the feedback and the energy, and it makes me feel really, really good about doing this podcast. So thank you for that. And it's going to make my day a little bit better. So thanks. Uh, So let's go ahead and listen to one more question and I'll give you my answer. Hi, Scott. This is Bobby from New Jersey. My question has to do with strategy. So I can't really find any flaws or downsides in starting with the $500 test. And what I refer to that is uh, it was uh, mentioned in your book and it was also mentioned uh, over in the Facebook group of starting a product with a short minimal budget of $500, just doing a handful of uh, products in your inventory and doing pay-per-click ads without any... um, reviews or anything. So basically just buying a quantity of like a low quantity of 50, um, putting it out there and getting it listed and putting some ads to it and just seeing if it will sell, sort of validating the concept with a very minimal budget of $500 and a very minimal uh, inventory. Are there any downsides to starting this way with every single product rather than starting a little bit more traditional uh, as in the way you teach it with buying uh, you know a few hundred products up front and dedicating a hundred or so for giveaways um, and doing the whole the whole nine yards what are the pros and cons of, of those two different strategies I guess is my question thanks for doing what you do and I'll keep listening Hey, Bobby from New Jersey. Thank you so much for uh, the question. And you know what? This is a really, really good question because I do talk about, you know, going to AliExpress and doing this $500 challenge as some of you may or may not have heard me talk about. And I do talk about that in my, uh, my Kindle book. If you guys have not uh, read that yet. It's very affordable. I believe right now currently it's $2.99 and it's really a recap of a lot of stuff that I've covered in the podcast and one of the things in there was uh, one of the posts that was inside of the Facebook group and uh, actually Chris Gaston who posted all about his $500 challenge. Um, that book can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash book. And uh, like I said, it's uh, it just lays everything out inside the book in a written form and really just condensed everything down. But to kind of elaborate on that, you know, that strategy isn't for everyone. 
right? I mean, it's not for everyone because to me, if you do your research and you go through the entire process of finding a product, you know, you could do exactly what you said the second you know, the second way or the second strategy, which more the, of the traditional way is to where you're building more of a unique product or a bundle of some kind. And then from there, you're ordering enough to do a traditional launch. Okay. Yeah. That is the way I prefer to do things. I'll be honest. But with that being said, and this is something I'm going to be experimenting in 2016 with is actually taking uh, and the similar, very similar to the AliExpress. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be AliExpress. It just needs to be you're buying a lower quantity. And here's the way that it would work. Let's say that there's five products that you're interested in and that you think could possibly sell. So you might order 50 of each of those, right? And you might spend $1,000, let's say, to do this. But you're going to be able to take five products, put them up on Amazon, and then you're going to be able to just turn on Amazon pay-per-click with basically hardly any reviews at all. Like if you have like four or five reviews, that's that's fine. Maybe you have none. Now I know Rich Kibble, who was one of our early adopters in our private label classroom, who's actually crushing it right now, his whole his whole uh, mindset is when he launches a product, he turns on pay-per-click like day one. And when he does that, if he gets like a sale right away, he knows it's going to be a hot product. Like he just knows it, right? It's almost like he proves to himself that the product's going to do well by him just running some pay-per-click, getting it in front of the right people and him getting a sale. So that validates it for him like in a hurry. Now, he's already maybe purchased 800 or 1,000 units, so that just makes him feel good that he doesn't have to do a ton more work to start getting sales, but it works the same way if you had five products of only 50, you can do the same exact thing, and that's kind of what Chris Gaston was saying, was he took the product, he put it up there, he ran some pay-per-click to it, he started getting some sales, and he's seen that, okay, Now I know that if I can get this in front of the eyeballs, because he immediately got in front of the eyeballs by running pay-per-click, he was able to start seeing that he could get sales. Now, if he ran it through then, the second phase of this is the traditional way. Now he took that concept and that product, and he said, okay, I'm going to buy 500 units now, and I'm going to run through the entire launch process where I'm going to give 100 of them away, and then I'm going to start running the pay-per-click more on a regular basis, and now from there I can start to get my organic sales. Well, that's like the second phase of the first phase, right? But it's a way for you to put five products up and go, there's one that's a winner and four of them that are losers. We're going to cut the losers and we're going to focus on the winner. So that's really that strategy. And that's how I'll be using it in the future to test products almost like overnight in a sense, because you can get those really, really quickly. And yes, you're going to pay a little bit more for the AliExpress products. You're right. Because and I say you're right. And people have said that to me. They're like, Scott, but you pay more on the AliExpress. You do, but you're able to test products quicker. So this way here, it doesn't even matter if you made money on those. It What really matters is that you validated it before you spent the money up front to order a thousand units and then go through the, the uh, you know, traditional launch process. But both ways will work. I've done uh, the the traditional way. It works really uh, well, but it you know it's also a little bit more risky because you're buying a bunch more upfront. You really just need to understand the market you're going into, the product that you're launching, and if you can differentiate it. So this way here, you know if you can get in front of the right audience and the right buyer that you're going to be able to make sales. So that is my long-winded answer there to that. Again, I appreciate that question, and I think that it's a good one, and allowing me to explain it 
because I didn't really think to explain it because I didn't think of it that way. But for me to be able to explain it here, I think will be helpful uh, to you, but also to everyone that is listening. So thanks for submitting that and good luck to you and keep me posted. Let me know uh, what you do, what, what you decide to do and, and kind of how it works for you. All right. So, and, and the other thing I just want to say too, is like when you do this, Let's say that you did the AliExpress route where you're going to do the test kind of thing, test and and then you know from there do traditional. Uh, you're also going to learn the process. It also allows you to learn the process without a huge upfront investment. So this way here, you can figure all of the different moving parts out as you go through, and you're going to learn what you need to do differently, or you know what you might have missed in your research, or you know any of that stuff. So it's going to force you to go through the process. You can sit here and listen to how everything's going to happen and how everything's going to go down, but we can't say for sure how it's going to work for you and your product and your launch, right? You just don't know until you go through the process. So this is a great way to get your feet wet in this type of business. And also it's a low risk way of doing it in the beginning, especially if you don't have the capital to really go through that traditional process. All right, so hopefully this has helped you and anyone else listening, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so if you guys have questions like this that you want answered on an upcoming Ask Scott session, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. The other thing I wanted to do is remind you, if you guys wanted to know step-by-step how to go through the five phases of picking a product, sourcing a product, doing a pre-launch, a launch, and a promotion phase, you can head over to my free private label course. And you can find that by going over to www.freeprivatelabelcourse.com. Again, that's freeprivatelabelcourse.com. It's a 10-day course. So what's going to happen is you'll register for it. From there, you'll get an email explaining what we'll be covering. And then from there, Every single day for the next 10 to 12 days, you'll be getting an email from me that will walk you through each and every phase. It'll give you a video and some downloads and all of that good stuff. So definitely head over and register for that free private label course. And again, the Facebook community is thriving. It's growing. It's just a great place to be. Head over there as well if you are not already connected. And you can find that by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash F as in Frank, B as in boy. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up. Once again, happy new year. If you're listening to this on new year's, happy, happy new year. Let's celebrate together, right? Have an awesome 2016 and we're just getting started here in, uh, in the podcast. So, uh, stay tuned and uh, remember guys, I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day and let's kill it in 2016. Take care.